Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arye Lightstone. You're listening to us on the NachumSiegel.com website or on the Nachum Siegel app. Uh, again, if you haven't downloaded our app, you're really going to enjoy the interactive nature of it. So please go ahead straight to the iTunes Store or to the Google Play Store. I assume there are other stores. I'm just not sure anybody owns devices for those stores. But go there, download the Nachum Siegel app, and uh, and enjoy the listening to all the great um, productions here on this station in a even better format than you currently are. So make sure you go ahead and download that app. We are proud here on Tech Talk to be sponsored by our good friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. So this show was in one of those funny weeks. I think it's one of the, I'd say it's a full week, but we haven't had a full week and we're not planning on having a full week for those who are uh, uh, Jewishly observant um, for the period of time, basically from Rosh Hashanah till the end of Sukkot, till the end of Sukkot. Uh, it's a lot of uh, start and stops. Uh, half days, partial days, Sundays are work days, Fridays are not work days, Wednesdays, I don't even know if they exist anymore. Anyway, there's a whole slew of various different things that are going on, and part of those going on um, requires us here on Tech Talk to update you before you go spend yet another uh, three days uh, talking with your friends and family about various different happenings. We feel it's incumbent upon us to update you. So whereas there hasn't been a major sale like Waze or WhatsApp like happened before the holiday season last year, uh, we feel that the hot button issues uh, for Tech Talk so we're back here on Tech Talk, and we were just talking about um, how we're going to best prepare you, our listeners, for the key topics that relate to technology around the table during this upcoming uh, six-day marathon. Uh, we'll call it the Survival's Guide in terms of various different topics of conversation. And for that, I needed the guru from my neighborhood, at least, uh, to enable survival of almost any potentially awkward or challenging situation. Uh, a dear friend and really a mentor to so many of us in the neighborhood, Donnie Joseph. Donnie is a noted author, frequent contributor to many of the publications locally and nationally. He's a practicing clinician, a recent award winner here in the five towns in terms of his clinical practice. And he's in the process, the very end stages, I believe, of finalizing his PhD in media psychology. So we're happy to have you with us, Donnie. Hi, how are you? Great, how are you? Well, I'm doing great, thank you. Nobody ever asked that. That's very kind of yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's my job. It's your job. <laughs> I guess that probably is your job. Yeah. Okay, well, we appreciate that. Um, we wanted to have you on mostly because the last two topics that I've seen circulating in the Twitterverse, if you will, in terms of technology that have been tweeted and retweeted and favorited and distributed pretty far and wide, even by people who aren't proficient in the social media universe, was about 10 days ago, right before Rosh Hashanah, so I guess maybe 13 days ago, we got this article speaking about Steve Jobs and, uh, and his commitment to not allow his kids to become technology-obsessed. Um, and that was sort of article number one, and it, it wasn't a new article at that point in time, but it resurfaced during that point in time, as so many things tend to resurface during that point in time, conveniently or not. And the second came out just 
the middle of last week, right in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and I'm not entirely convinced that the idea originated then, but it seemed to have made the, uh, again, circulation in social media at that point in time, and uh, that was about this Shabbos app. And I thought that this would be an interesting take on Tech Talk. Instead of featuring entrepreneurs, we've had on experts in um, uh, intellectual property this season. We had on a, a, a phenomenal inventor last week. And there are lots of different ways that we can praise to high heaven all the beautiful things that you can do as an entrepreneur and all the creative outlets. And we can actually speak about your positive project. I think that would be a fun, uh, uh, positive way that we can leverage and access technology also. But I really brought you on in order to give our listening audience sort of some talking points in your professional opinion um, in terms of what is with this Shabbos app? What is with Steve Jobs trying to make sure that his kids didn't have any technology? And for those of you who are out there, I just want to sort of frame the conversation. There was an article um, where a, a, an interviewer went to interview Jobs, and he anticipated seeing Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, uh, who passed away just a couple of short years ago. I recommended last year that if you haven't read uh, Steve Jobs' autobiography, it's a must-read. I think it's a fascinating read. Uh, but nonetheless, this guy comes to speak to, to Jobs and is expecting a digital home, like where you touch a wall and you walk right through it and it's a hologram and beam me up and all of those things because it's Steve Jobs, for goodness sake. And uh, and he comes in and finds out that the house is is devoid of almost all forms of technology. There's not an iPod on your pillow uh, when you wake up in the morning, as, as the author commented, uh, but rather it's a pretty... Uh, I don't want to say Spartan existence, I'm sure it wasn't that, but it wasn't uh, overly infused with technology. And, and one of the comments that the, uh, that the author of the article uh, mentioned was that Jobs uh, was vigilant about not allowing his kids free reign of technology, not allowing them to be engrossed in technology, and really considered him a paper and pencil uh, type of parent. So that was one extreme. And this is Steve Jobs, the founder and really maybe the biggest visionary of the last 50 years in terms of certainly consumer technology. Then you have on the other end of the spectrum, uh, somebody or somebodies who have taken it upon themselves to, to begin to create something called a Shabbos app, which in their mind enables the use of a smartphone um, on the Sabbath, on Shabbos or Yantif, which uh, for those of you out there not familiar, and we do have a very broad and diverse audience, uh, if one is Sabbath or holiday observant uh, in Orthodox Judaism, uh, so not only traditionally, <laughs> I can't believe we even would use that as a phrase, but one, do, one doesn't use their phone uh, unless it's in a life-threatening uh, situation. Certainly there's no reason for a teen to be walking around using their phone in the past, not on this show, but on many other shows on this illustrious network. It's spoken about the concept of half Shabbos, where kids will be Sabbath observant uh, in everything but texting or in everything but using their, their phones. And and uh, I'm not going to get further into that because maybe Donnie, not maybe, for sure, Donnie will be able to explain it to us uh, to a degree. So I've thrown out a lot of information uh, with no direct questions. Would you just speak to the topic in general? We're going to yeah. get to uh, to some direct questions in a minute. Um, well, first things first in terms of the Steve Jobs um, article, I think uh, it, it brought to mind the idea that uh, a drug dealer never uses his own drugs. He knows more than anyone how powerful those substances are. Um, so Steve Jobs, the sort of pioneer of, of using technology in a persuasive and immersive way, knew more than anyone how captivating and potentially immersive 
um, and mesmerizing the media could be. And he wanted, I guess, shield his children from that alluring temptation, understanding how it could really drown out a lot of other focuses that he felt were more important. So I don't think technology is a drug per se. I know there's a, a big controversy as to whether um, internet is an addiction, whether it could be diagnosed as an addiction. You know, that's a clinical controversy. But whether or not you want to, you know, the semantics of addiction or not addiction, we all know that it's something that we feel more attached to than we ever have before. And we're sort of grappling with how to deal with that. Um, and the one of the people who were sort of involved in programming or pioneering the movement obviously had a better idea than anyone about how powerful it was and chose to shield his own children from the, those persuasions um, because, like as I, as I mentioned in the metaphor, a drug dealer, um, because he knows how powerful his chemicals are, he knows very well to stay away from them. Um, so, again, I don't think this is comparable to an illegal drug, but um, the the addictive and attachment formation um, potential is clearly very strong and and people who are on the sort of on the ends of this industry are very aware of how powerful it is they use it to their capital advantage but they obviously want to protect themselves from sort of falling through um, its traps so it takes a little bit of the luster off of the concept of the company when that sort of is revealed right i think that there's this illusion that Apple is making the world better? Yeah. If you look at any of their commercials, this is the amazing thing about Apple is all of their commercials, um, they will always show using technology in a, a way to unite families. The, it's, it'll always show families coming together around the technology. Um, and it's, you know, it's they're trying to sort of say, look at us, we're bringing people together because technology gets a bad rap for separating people. So they're trying to sort of like, you know, upshlug that and say, no, look at us. We're, you know, we're bringing people together. But I think marketing is not always truth telling. Um, in many ways, it's not. So, um, in many ways, it's trying to avoid the inconvenient truth. Um, and I think a peek into the real life of Steve Jobs is a little bit more of a valid testimony to what they really believe. You know, it's interesting. And if anybody from Apple is listening, first of all, you can follow me on Twitter. <laughs> At Lightstone A, and we'd love to have you not only on the show, but certainly as a featured sponsor of the entire network. So uh, don't hesitate to tweet at me. And, and I don't say that fully in jest. I say that as, as just last night when uh, my three-year-old daughter, uh, four-year-old daughter, received a birthday present from my parents who live uh, 2,200 miles away. Uh, they were part of the present giving process thanks to buying something on Amazon and both of us having iPads on each end. Uh, everything but the physical touch of the hug was there, um, and sort of the dorky father in the back holding the video camera. You don't need to hold a video camera. I was holding my iPhone. But, uh, you know, that that did enable something that would have been lost merely through speakerphone or would have been lost in, in you know, sending a letter or something like that, being there to see a four-year-old girl's face uh, when she opens up a gift that's different than saying, oh, this came from your grandparents. Uh, they're able to see it in real uh, real time. So I, I, I think that while the commercials certainly stretch, um, I, I think that uh, in no way, shape, or form are we on the, fo- on the, on the phone, are we here on the show um, to bash technology. I think that we're here in order to try to learn how we can use it better and more effectively and, and appropriate safeguards. I think that, and Don, I'd like to ask you fairly specifically, a lot of people think that safeguards means having an internet filter and I've done everything that I need to do in terms of protecting my family and my kids uh, from the world of technology. That's really not the case. Yeah, I, I, I think it's more of a, 
uh, self sort of a self-awareness process, less of like, uh, I mean, there are safeguards you can take, um, sort of external safeguards you can take if it's really extreme, but more importantly and more effectively is, and, and I, again, if I sound like I'm bashing technology, if anyone knows me at all, they know that I'm extremely um, involved and pretty immersed in the whole world of technology. So it's not like something I'm ad- adamantly against. If anything, I'm extremely involved in it and I'm trying to use it to my advantage. Um, and I can say professionally speaking, um, the use of social media and the internet has given me, opened up our opportunities that were, would be impossible for someone my age at my level of my career, um, ever in the past. So it really has connected me to people all over the world and allowed me to share material with people in different continents that would never have been conceivable, um, at any other time in history. On the other hand, um, every, you know, it, it gives a little and it takes a little, so, what it what it affords me on a professional level, it also sort of takes um, a toll a little bit on a personal level, especially what I think you mentioned about connecting foreign family members. So um, I think what technology does a lot is it, it connects people who are far away from each other and sort of disconnects people who are close to each other. And I think there's there's we we like that because you know the people who are far um, from a distance we're comfortable with that, but when it's people who are in our, our immediate company. A lot of times we feel like they might be demanding either our attention or our help or our intimacy, and those are things we don't always want to give them. So me on a Sunday morning when my wife, you know, when I'm used to being at work, but now I'm home and my wife might need me to, you know, change a diaper or take out a, you know, take my daughter, you know, to school, you know, whatever, to the park or something. So it's convenient for me to use my technology as a as sort of a shield to say, oh, hold on, I just have to check this email when it's really a spam, you know, and I'm just, you know, trying to hope someone's going to send me an email before I have to change the diaper type I can forward you Charles Thurwitt at any given Sunday. Um, that, <laughs> I that appreciate for, that. That for sure. <clears throat> they're having a sale uh, this Sunday and next Sunday. Sweet. And most other Sundays. Okay, I'm always, I'm always looking for it. Perfect. So it, speak specifically if you wouldn't mind to uh, – you and I have kids of similar age. And, uh, and uh, to me, it's always striking how um, – the younger the kid, the more adaptive they are to technology. And credit to Jobs for creating something that literally an 18-month-old can use and use effectively. 100%. That's a lot of stimulus. Instead of putting blocks in front of a kid, uh, which I think used to be entertaining, maybe that's idyllic in terms of my memory, how do we make sure that our kids grow up without those shields um, or use those shields responsibly? What can we as parents or grandparents out there uh Used from a knowledge base in order to to know that we're doing the right thing. So I think that's that's the big question that's on every parent's mind, and I think it's um, for better or worse way too early for us to really know because um, this is so new that it's almost you know when smoking you know all of our grandparents smoked or at least my grandparents all smoked it was always it was assumed to be like no one really knew the real effects of it at the time because it was too early to tell. So everyone's, you know, assumed it was totally fine. And then as studies came out and research sort of deepened people's awareness to the true effects of it, so then people took a lot more, you know, legitimate uh, precautions. Um, unfortunately, I think we're still at that stage where, you know, it's all's good, you know, whatever is good, just, you know, sort of hope for the best and, you know, limit it to the best of your ability. But in terms of precautions and, and concrete, you know, awareness of how much, that's affecting us and and in what way it is affecting us it's so early to tell because these brains are still 
haven't fully developed yet, and the, stimula- the stimulating media and the constant flashing of different screens um, is sort of has been put into their hands, let's say, five, six years ago, and even iPhones then aren't what they are now. So it's sort of like uh, an infant, and you know, you can't really um, give a diagnosis to an infant when they're that. You can't sort of predict what's an infant going to become when they're you know 30, 40 years old. That's what that's what people are trying to do when they try to. Oh, how how is this going to affect my kid when they're old? We don't really know. It's so new. Um, and the brains are still so young that it's really hard to tell how it's going to affect it. Um, I think time will tell. And unfortunately, um, you know, trial and error, sometimes there's going to be error. There's going to be some negative side effects that come out that we're not going to be so proud of. And our kids are going to say, I can't believe you let us do that. And we're going to say, well, we didn't know. Just like the people who are smoking now and are still smoking, they'll say, well, when we started, we didn't really know. So um, we're going to have to plead, um, I guess, insanity or negligence to a lot of our kids and They'll be much better parents with this stuff than we are. They'll have other things to wor- worry about. To worry about at that point in time. I want to remind everybody out there that you're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, you're here with your host, R.E. Lightstone. We have a really interesting hour with uh, with us today. Uh, our guest is Donnie Joseph, a noted author, uh, outstanding clinician, uh, based here in the Five Towns, uh, also runs a, a wonderful program at DRS uh, with a, a, I believe, in charge of the mental health department uh, there as well, uh, which is they call it, They call it the guidance department. I apologize, the guidance <laughs> I mean, it's department. fine. It's just they don't like to think of themselves as, uh, you know, a, a nuthouse. But that's, I mean, maybe they are. <laughs> don't quote me on that. Yeah, okay. Well, this is, we're listened to by many people, Donnie, and uh, and uh, you're listening okay. here on the <laughs> NachumSiegel.com or on our app if you've gone ahead and downloaded that yet. Uh, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. The, the second piece of the conversation, and we might get back to the jobs piece later or another week and, and have a conversation later through the school year, because I know that, that your school, amongst many others, is, is initiating different technology uh, implementations in the school. So I'd be curious as you've seen this evolve from without technology to with more technology, sort of how that goes in, in high school kids' brains are slightly more developed than infants, slightly more developed. Um, but we were speaking before about the Shabbos app, this this innovation in theory that, that would let a kid use a, a phone, a smartphone on Shabbos. And let me just say very clearly, uh, I don't believe nor have I met anybody who does believe that this would be a permissible um, thing to use on Shabbos to enable a teen or anybody else to use a smartphone on Shabbos. But can you speak to the phenomenon in terms of why somebody might be creating this and why it has lots of buzz? Well, anything anything to this effect where you're trying to legitimize something that's, you know, customarily or traditionally totally illegitimate is going to create buzz, especially when you're using rabbis' names to back you up. Um, so that in and of itself is going to create a buzz. And especially when it has a technology, you know, texting and Shabbos together, um, all these are buzzwords. So it's, it's not surprising. Um, in terms of the, I don't know any of the halakhic aspects of it. That's not my forte, but in terms of the, first of all, just from a business standpoint, the first thing I thought of when I heard about this was that it's just a ridiculous business platform because, um, I'm not sure how big of an audience they're really catering to because, the amount of people who are text, the people who want to text on Shabbos, um, and are willing to rely on those type of enough of a leniency to rely on whoever gave this a green light, um, are probably, you know, 
most of them would be willing to text on Shabbos anyways. You know, if they're if they're this lenient as it is, so then they're either going to text on Shabbos anyways, or if they're not, then they're you know then they're not. I don't know how big of a window there is of people who are sort of like I need to text on Shabbos, but only if a rabbi says I can. You know, if you care about what the rabbi says, but only you know I don't I don't know how many people are really you know waiting for this big opening and you know at least from a business standpoint i don't know how big their market's going to be but at least from a from a from a a, you know they're obviously getting a lot of exposure so i think they'll probably be much more successful in getting the exposure than they will at getting any profit from it that's just my personal feeling i could be totally wrong time will tell but in terms of the um the allure of it um people obviously feel very attached to their devices and you know if they are respecting the guidelines that Shabbos place on them and those restrictions and they're look any little opening to it would obviously give them some sense of relief or freedom. Um, I don't think, um, I personally don't see this as taking off so far. I think it's going to be a big flop, but like anything in the Jewish world, it's more about the, the hawk than the actual, you know, what happens to it. Um, but time will tell. So you see an incredibly interesting, uh, movement in the secular world trying to establish their own Sabbath for technology. Can you speak to that as a, as a clinician in terms of the value that a Shabbos or a Yantif, a holiday or a Sabbath gives to us in terms of the discipline and to our kids? And let's assume for a moment, which we do not assume, but let's assume for a moment that there's a world where a Shabbos app enables the use of whatever else it would be. And again, we do not here assume that's the case. But in a world where that would exist, can you make the argument where that would be a major detriment as opposed to a halachic savings. Yeah, I mean, a hundred. I think, I think it's um, it speaks. It goes without saying that any ability um, to place self restraint and to be able to delay gratification um, is always um, serves to strengthen a person's character and strengthen a person psychologically and emotionally and creates a certain sense of um, inner strength and growth. Um, and there are studies that were done that Jews, um, religious Jews, um, were m- much fewer religious Jews than any other cultural sect, um, fell into the, um, rampant tobacco addiction in the early 1900s when a lot of people were, you know, falling into a, a tobacco addiction. Um, it was, they saw that religious Jews were, were, it was a much smaller percentage of them than any other race and culture. And they, they attributed it to that, the fact that once a week they had to stop um, sort of gave them that self-control that they didn't fall into an addiction pattern. Um, and I think the same thing would, would, would hold here where, uh, you know, a lot of people are, their minds are so, um, wrapped up in constant contact and the constant checking that the once a week ability to sort of put it on hold is very restorative to the mind, just the neurons and the mental, the mental sort of re, re, reshaping, sort of refreshing. We, you know, we go to sleep at night, we're refreshing our neurons, refreshing our, our mental system. So once a week to do it for a full day is even more refreshing. And uh, I, I, I would assume that those people who are strong enough to keep it for one day a week, they will go down in the history books as, as the, as I, I would assume that Orthodox Jews will be much less susceptible to the long-term addictive patterns that technology um, bears with it than other races. Not that we're better. We're just, you know, the fact that we respect this one, um, <laughs> Not that we're, the fact that we respect this one um, restriction gives us the self-discipline and the self-restraint to not fall into that sort of chronic addictive pattern that um, those who don't are are uh, susceptible to. 
So you mentioned something interesting, and I know that our time is short, but uh, you mentioned that, that the neurons are fresh overnight. So certainly the Sabbath Shabbos gives a tremendous advantage. Can you make a recommendation for parents who allow kids to bring technology into the bedroom? Again, assuming that we've removed, you know, we've got the right filters and everything else like that, but just even candy crush at two in the morning or whatever else that would be. Can you give some advice maybe to, to parents out there, maybe even to spouses out there in terms of appropriate technology use during neuron refreshing time? Um, yeah, again, that's, that's, I'm, I'm just as guilty as anyone else in terms of when I wake up in the middle of the night, the first thing I do is check my email, then Twitter, then Facebook, and then I go back to sleep. Um, and then I do it again the first thing I wake up. I'm, it's just almost like, um, impulsive, just like automated movement I do. And I, and anyone, so I'm not here to say that I, I have it down pat and that I'm, you know, and anyone who does say it, then they, I think they just don't get what you know what it's like to be so attached to it so i understand what it's like to be attached to technology um but when it's you know i i find that if either the 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 two most important times to really sort of put it to rest is either when we're supposed to be spending quality time with our family which is again easier said than done but i try to put my phone sort of in a place where i have no where it's, it's not reachable to me when i'm home for either dinner with my kids or dinner with my wife i'll put it on top of the bookshelf because i need a actual chair to get it um and then or when i'm going to sleep i put it on like the you know on under like the underneath my night table because if it's within my my arm's length it's just going to almost be like a reflex to go grab it but um i i i'm very aware of the difference between when i'm able to sort of put have some space versus when i'm constantly checking it and and i think all of us know that, like, at the end of Shabbos, when we actually check our phones, we realize we weren't really missing out on much. You know, usually it's more in our minds than in reality. So um, it's the more we become aware that this is in our head more than it is in reality, the more we might sort of create some space. But in terms of practical advice that you're asking, um, I think it's obviously the more space we can create for ourselves and for our children from these things, the more self-control we're equipping them with. Um but in terms of how to enforce that, that's all new. That's all, you know, every, every parent has their own enforcing um, methods. So I'm not here to say how to enforce rules, but there, these are rules worth enforcing. That much I think we all can agree on. Okay. That was very important and very informative, and I appreciate your time, Donnie. Thank my, you. My pleasure. So we're, we're left with... You know, a, a fairly interesting juxtaposition in terms of the Chavez app, uh, the Steve Jobs article, and sort of where that leaves, I'll say, the royal us. I don't really know how else to, to quantify it, unfortunately. But uh, it's really an interesting conundrum. I think that it's important that we have these as talking points for our Shabbos table, for our Yontif table. Uh, and really, we... we I think, as Donnie pointed out, we're able to leverage and to use um, meaningful time if we're disconnecting for 24, 25 hours once a week. Um, during this month, September, October, uh, and maybe during March, April, when we have some consecutive days, uh, two, three days even in a row, a couple of times in a fairly short span, um, really gives us an opportunity to press a hard reset, uh, not on our devices, but perhaps on ourselves. And I think that the timing for both of these, um, number one being the Shabbos app, which again is this, uh, in theory, 
authorized way. Again, I haven't met anybody who believes that this is something acceptable, reasonable, appropriate, allowed in any way, shape, or form. So please don't understand that or misunderstand that at all. To me, this is a new thing in technology, and it's something that we need to be aware of because I, I, I not only I imagine, I anticipate that we will have kids, nieces, nephews, children, grandchildren coming home and asking why not. And I think our answer needs to be more robust than the technicalities of why halachically, according to Jewish law, it might not be satisfactory to use something like this. I think that needs to be explained. I think that we need to be well-versed in it. I think that we need to have appropriate responses because I think that when we become a people of no, uh, as opposed to a people in the no, I think that becomes very dangerous for for generations, for my generation certainly, but generations younger than me even more so. And therefore, we it's incumbent upon us to be able to figure out how to articulate effectively and appropriately. And ironically enough, that's where I love the juxtaposition of the Steve Jobs article because we're able to take the the modern-day father of consumer technology, the guru in every teenager's mind, if they could be one entrepreneur, it would for sure be Steve's jo- Steve Jobs. Maybe the guys who do Google, but Jobs is cooler. Um, they would for sure be him because why not? He, he has invented the way that we interact, the way that we listen to music, the way that we connect, the way that we see, uh, the way that we even move our fingers instinctively uh, on something. It's, it's just fascinating and interesting that he is the guy. And while it's incredibly valuable and critical and important, and please don't misunderstand this either, having this conversation via radio is challenging because you don't want to be misinterpreted and you don't want to be misunderstood, and I'm not putting myself out to be an authority. But as vital and critical as the Jewish heritage, history, present-day understanding of all of the intricacies of halacha, of Jewish law, are critical to being able to have a mature conversation in this way, it's equally critical to be able to have a conversation with a teenager who might have been texting on the Sabbath or Yantif, or might not be texting, but would think that this would be something to text, or a way to do that, to be able to have a conversation more than just the, because I told you so. I think that we owe it to ourselves, we owe it to our kids, our nieces, our nephews, our grandkids, etc. So, I'd like to take just one moment, remind all of our listeners that you're really tuned into what I think is a very interesting show here, and not just because I have the unique privilege of hosting this show, but because I think that we're preparing you, we're preparing me for uh, a series of holidays where we're going to be sitting around the table with what to talk about. And and this should be, and I believe could be, a very prominent topic. And I think it's important to be well-versed uh, and informed. So you're listening to Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arya Lightstone. We had the privilege and pleasure of having Donnie Joseph, a noted author, award-winning clinician, and someone in the process of finishing his PhD in media psychology here with us on the show. You can listen to us on NachumSiegel.com, or you can also listen to us on the Nachum Siegel app. If you haven't downloaded that, go straight to the store and download it. Feel a little ironic encouraging people to do that as we're also speaking about limits in terms of technology and tools. We are proud to be sponsored by our good friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person 
at 42 West 18th Street. So while we're having a topic of conversation, we're making sure that we're not just saying no, but we're also being in the know. Um, I think that we don't need to go much further than printing out the article that describes the conversation with Jobs, who decided to have a technology-free home. And I'm not arguing that we have technology-free homes, although I think that there may be value into that. I'm not going to preach to that choir because you have to practice what you preach. I believe that very sincerely and very strongly. And I think that there is a way to use technology in an effective and efficient and even elevating fashion, but there's a way to make sure that it doesn't fully encompass our lives. And one of those is to look at the creator of most of or much of the technology that we use, which is Jobs, who understood the... Yeah, I'm not a clinician by any stretch of the imagination, but the addictive uh, components of using this technology, and I think that's something that uh, we need to be aware of. I think that there is um, appropriate safeguards, and if we can hear it, if you will, from the horse's mouth, from Jobs, the father of much of this technology that we use, the inherent dangers if we don't set limits, that to me is a very good starting point for a conversation with Anybody who would think that the Shabbos app is a good idea, again, ignoring completely and totally the fact that that I'm neither a judge nor have I heard anybody that I would respect as a judge in terms of Jewish law uh, accepting or encouraging or even allowing uh, something like this to be used. But ignoring ignoring the practical uh, ability for it to be used, let's just talk about the philosophical use that Donnie went through and explained to us that that historically and today it's demonstrated very good for the people who observe the Sabbath as the dictum goes more than the Jews have kept the Sabbath the Sabbath has kept the Jews and maybe we have a new interpretation a novel interpretation for what that means perhaps it was with tobacco addiction at the beginning of now two centuries ago or today it'll be in terms of a technology addiction uh, that we have the ability to not get as engrossed and as involved and as enveloped in uh, because of our ability to turn off at some point in time. Um, you know, a lot of the attitude that exists around these this time period from the beginning of the Jewish month called Elul until the end of Sukkot. So from the beginning, it's, it's the, these days of repentance, this time of renewal, this new year period of time. Uh, which is echoed to a much lesser degree, obviously, by the secular New Year. Uh, but it's a time of renewal. It's a time of commitment. And many of the commitments that we make to ourselves uh, need to be done in bite sizes that can be accomplished. It's easy to, to say that I'm going to lose 25 pounds over the next year uh, unless I'm committed to losing two pounds a month or a half a pound a week. Uh, by the time November rolls around, I'll forget what it was that I committed to because it's very difficult to know where I'm going to be next September. Similarly so, if I decided that I'm going to be turning off my device or my technology or my tether, as sometimes it's referred to, my technological tether, um, you know, every day for four hours, uh, that might be difficult to accomplish also. But Donnie provided for us, I think, some very practical and useful steps uh, Try to take your technology during those precious moments, whether it's sleep or it's interaction, interacting with your kids. You can tell, <laughs> you can tell somebody who hasn't slept all that much in recent nights in terms of the, the priorities that I, I developed that interacting with your kids, interacting with your spouse, sleep, that if, if you keep the phone, if you keep your electronic device within arm's reach of you, it almost becomes instinctive in terms of how you reach out and you desperately want to connect. 
if you can if you can pause for a moment, if you can think about what it is that you're doing, I see tremendous added value to that. And I think that added value is of much benefit to us as people developing ourselves in in a very real and responsible fashion. And this is the second piece. And this is what I'd like to encourage everybody out there. I, I, I know many of you are going to be observing the, the Chag, the holiday of Sukkot. I know that many of you are going to be involved with that. Uh, some of you might not be. But um, if you are, and you're going to spend multiple meals, perhaps with the same people or perhaps with different people, um, we should take that opportunity and be grateful that we're connecting with people in a non-digital fashion. It's if you look at the, the, the really since the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, now 14 days ago or so, until the end of Sukkot, now in another 14 days, the amount of time that we've had for personal interaction, family time, all combined and, and, and created in this very short period of time is, is a lot. For many people, that might be the most amount of family time that they'll observe and keep uh, for the entire year, uh, all compiled into this one month. And to a great degree, we should be very grateful for that. Um, but we can look at it. There will be times that it's stressful. There will be times that perhaps it's challenging. There will be times that we feel that we are missing out on something. At those times, we should really pause for a moment and we should think about really not only how grateful we are to spend the time with the people that we're spending time with, but even if I don't want to interact, I don't want to have that additional conversation at the meal to retire to my room and just read a book or just to go on a walk and to be able to think. And I know that my leg isn't going to be buzzing, um, at least for real, because of a phone. And I, I don't have emails that I need to return at this moment anyways because I can't. There's a tremendous freedom in that. And I think that sometimes we look at that as a burden. Um, but if we can sort of change the perspective uh, during this holiday season, we may be able to jump into the work season uh, the beginning, the latter part of October, the beginning part of November with New Zeal, a level of rebirth and perhaps a level of freshness. We might be able to come up with a creative thought or a new theological or philosophical outlook. We may connect with our spouses or with our kids or with our parents or with our siblings or with our friends in ways that we're not normally able to because we're pulled in so many different directions. The the need to take a picture of what's happening instead of enjoy the moment of what's happening. Uh, the need to tell my friends about what's happening instead of living in the here and now. Um, those things disappear to a degree on the Jewish holidays uh, and Sabbath, on, on the Yom Tovim and Shabbos. And I think that instead of looking at that as a disadvantage, which might be our initial inclination, if we can turn that around, that could be very valuable to us. Um, in terms of our perspective and in terms of our philosophy. So I would encourage us uh, to be able to go ahead and to do that. So to wrap up, if you will, the first component of the show, which to me, uh, again, is not what we normally do here on Tech Talk, but I think it's it's something important because this really is the synthesis of technology and today, technology in our homes, technology in our families. You have the two distinctive and very distinct philosophies. One was Steve Jobs, the father to a degree of much of our modern consumer technology, all things Apple and I, um, not allowing his kids to be immersed in technology in any meaningful way because he knew of the dangers that would exist with that. That's one extreme. And on the other extreme, there's this thing out there called the Shabbos app that wants to take away even that one day that, uh, that uh, religious observant Jews uh, have in order to be able to disconnect and to sort of nod, nod, wink, wink and say you can even stay connected. 
And again, I, I've made it as clear as I possibly can on this show that, that I know of nobody who believes that this is a halachically, a Jewish law permitted thing to do. But I, I'm not even addressing that. I'm addressing the sadness that, that I'm involved with right now that says maybe you're taking away, um, even in, in a philosophical component, an integral part of being able to be a well, real, connected human being. And to me, that's a great travesty. That's a great loss. That's maybe even a great tragedy. Uh, and it's incredibly disappointing as well. So I think that's something important to focus on. And I think that uh, I appreciate and value um, our ability to be able to talk about that. The, the second portion of the show, I really wanted to highlight a couple of other issues that I think will be up for discussion, uh, perhaps at your tables. Hopefully, your tables will be filled with conversations of, of family and joy and excitement and not gossip and the latest news, but, uh, but really deep bonding. And, but we know that after three straight days together and even six days in the span of ten days, uh, together, repeated meals and services and shul, et cetera, et cetera, that, um, okay, life is life. You want to talk about some of the things that you want to talk about. So, so just to prepare ourselves for a couple of things that, that I think are, are right around the corner as we get out of the Jewish holiday season. So first and foremost, I think on the minds of many is going to be the political elections that are going to be happening. And one of the, I don't want to say ironies, because it's not really ironic anymore. Um, you see millions, hundreds of millions, maybe even a billion dollars, maybe more than a billion dollars being spent uh, on political elections across the spectrum during this, what they call an off year. It's not a presidential year. Uh, so an off year. Um, so less people go to the polls. Because less people go to the polls, um, the concept used to be that the more one would roll up their sleeves and put an elbow grease to their campaign, the more successful they would be. The more doors you knock on, the more phones you ring, the more people you try to connect with, the more likely it will be that you'll be able to get out your vote, the get out the vote campaigns uh, that we're all so familiar with. I'm positive that when our phones slow down a little bit ringing in terms of charitable collections, they're going to pick right up in terms of voting and elections immediately after the Jewish holiday season. It's just just before we get into that, I do want to remind all of our listeners out there that you are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arya Lightstone. You're listening to us on NachumSiegel.com or hopefully on our really cool app. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store, please check them out online at Adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street that uh, we morphed really from uh, the use of technology and some appropriate safeguards and just even being aware that it could be immersive, it could potentially be addictive, and things that we would do in order to sharpen our awareness of those challenges, moving into something else that we don't necessarily pay attention to because uh, it really attacks us from all sides um, but it, without it being a frontal issue for many of us, which are the upcoming elections, the very beginning part of November, uh, anybody who's aware sees the signs already planted in the grass for whatever local election or maybe even state, probably not a national election because there aren't any national elections, even though there's some federal elections, obviously, for the Senate. 
Um, and some of these issues are near and dear to many of us, but we'll leave that for the spin class with Michael Fragan here on this outstanding network. I wanted to speak about the world of technology and how that affects politics. Uh, but before I jump right into that for a moment, I-, I want just one more heads up. I think that we sit at our tables again during this holiday season. It's important to, to prepare ourselves, our kids, our families, our communities for the fact that at the end of the day, I don't even know how to appropriately contextualize the comment that I want to make, but it, it, it's, it's, it's authorized mudslinging season where, where we spend so much time during this new year uh, committing to ourselves how we're going to speak about people, how we're going to think about people, how we're going to react to people, and then we're going to be literally um, besieged by an onslaught of negativity if it hasn't started now, it'll start in the next week, leading all the way up through November. And, and it's almost difficult to have a rational conversation with anybody because I feel to a degree that politics in our world has become not that opinion versus that opinion, maybe not even right, left, and center, but it's become good and evil. And I think that those adjectives, except for things that really are good and evil, are very dangerous adjectives to have. And I think that part of that becomes we, we, through osmosis we 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 contract part of that because the 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 media all around us whether we notice it or not infuses these ideas in our head and infuses even a way to talk about people the way to think about people in our head and to me that's quite terrifying to me it's really quite terrifying and there are certainly kids out there but we ourselves uh, are inundated by these messages and I think it's important at least to be aware to open up our mouths and to speak about the fact that this isn't an effective, I mean, unfortunately, obviously, it is an effective way of communication because if not, people wouldn't be spending tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars communicating in this way. But it's not the way I think that good people should be communicating. Um, and that might sound hypocritical uh, because uh, it, it is always easier to, to, to call somebody else out. Um, and people who know me personally know that I'm politically inclined, and, and if it's effective, you take you do what it takes to win. But I think on a communal basis, I think we have to acknowledge that that we have to be very careful to acknowledge the messaging that's coming in to our minds and to our ears and to our families and to our homes, mm-hmm. and to be aware of that. And, and if we're aware of it, we potentially at least have the ability to combat it or to articulate it or to explain it. But... That's not what Tech Talk is here for. That just happens to be an R.E.A. Lightstone um, uh, announcement, a public service announcement to some form. I think it's important to know what, what we're being besieged with and when we're being besieged with it. But the concept of technology has really played a more major role in the world of elections during this cycle than ever before. And we anticipate that anything that's being spent this cycle in terms of technology um, is going to be sp- be spent 10 or 100-fold in the 2016 presidential election. And what do I mean by using technology with politics? And we'll have an opportunity to bring on guests probably right after the holiday season who will speak about this intimately and personally with their own technologies. But essentially what it's done is it's, it's, it's innovated an entire new industry. The, the industry of politics is a big money industry. There's lots of value in being able to turn out your voters and basically what there is is there's a lot of what they're calling metadata. 
that there are different pieces of information that different companies or social media sites are able to extract based upon your interaction with those companies, what you bought and when, what you commented on why, what you posted and where. All these various different things create, if you will, a digital map of who you are and in theory, what you believe in. And that data is able to be computed and potentially even sold uh, to the highest bidder, maybe to multiple bidders, in order to better target you. Now, don't be completely and totally freaked out, although maybe you should be. Maybe I should be. Maybe we all should be. Um, that data is purchased for numerous different things. Um, consumer um, uh, things all the time. It's being purchased in order to, where are we going to put up the next target in relation to this neighborhood versus that neighborhood? And it's much more than just a traffic count and median uh, um, uh, income in those neighborhoods. It now has to do with what type of shopping, online shopping, e-tailing shopping, in-person shopping, how many little kids, how many older kids, uh, what baby boomers, who likes to shop where and why, and all this data that can enable businesses to better effectively serve their consumers, which ultimately drives a better economy, which is great. Um, businesses that go in and fail because of lack of information isn't a win, but similarly so, that same information that will enable a Kmart to succeed there instead of a Target or would enable a Neiman Marcus to succeed there instead of a Saks um, is that same information that might inc- uh, demonstrate to a candidate running in wherever they're running that you are likely to either donate to or vote for them uh, or vote against them. And depending on that information, they will have targeted ads, phone calls, um, ways to get in touch with you in ways that you might not even know. Internet advertising is a major one in the political world. Um, so if you see various different uh, candidate ads pop up on your screen on your web browser as you're searching or uh, otherwise being active in the on the internet uh, you should be aware that somebody has you targeted B- pay attention to what type of ad you're seeing uh, oftentimes the most effective uh, piece of advertising for a campaign would be figuring out who is not going to vote for them and run various different ads that will encourage you or me to stay home Again, it's not necessarily about bringing out just the people who are going to vote for candidate A, but candidate A is just as interested as making sure that the people who are going to vote for candidate B stay home. So to me, it's an interesting social studies experiment to see if you get targeted online for various different political ads. If you do, try to look into that ad a little bit more closely and see why it was sent to you or why it showed up on your computer screen and if so see if it's trying to get you to do something or see if it's trying to make you not do something and depending on what you see i think you'll see how you've been targeted and to me it's just interesting i I, again i i don't have an issue with any of these things i have an issue with these things be it be it immersive technology or be it subliminal advertising i only have an issue if we're not aware of it if we're not aware of it it seems inappropriate. If we're aware of it, then we have the methods and the means in order to combat it, to discuss it, or to grow from it. And those are are, are very valuable uh, methodologies in order to get by in the world. Look, technology is not disappearing. It's how we access and network and compute technology, educate ourselves about technology. That's what uh, enables us to be 
more productive people here, um, as opposed to being people where technology happens to us. That would be the case of somebody addicted to some form of technology or where technology happens to us and without us knowing it, it creates or causes us to feel one way about a candidate or an issue or another, as opposed to saying, okay, technology is going to inform us. I got this ad. Why did I get this ad? What do you think out there made them target me with this ad? And what is this ad trying to have me do? Now, most of the time, it's fairly obvious. Banana Republic wants me to buy their sweaters. I get it. I like Banana Republic, and I like their sweaters. So they want to remind me it's getting cold out. It's time to go buying a sweater. That that I get. But when we're talking about fundamental issues, uh, foreign policy, uh, health care, numerous other issues that strike very close to us, I think it's important to understand and to get that just like Steve Jobs knew the power of technology, there's a marketer out there who understands the power of marketing, harnessing technology, where to reach you where you're not prepared. If you're watching a TV show or you're listening to the radio and an ad comes on, you automatically know to compute whether that ad is a political ad or not and what it's trying to make you think about or not think about. We don't always think that way when something shows up on our computer screen or would show up in some other way, shape, or form. So to me, that's a very interesting use of technology. And I think for all of us out there, it's something valuable uh, to stay um, aware of. Finally, I thought that it was interesting, um, unfortunate, obviously, but interesting that this tunnel phenomenon that uh, uh, Israel went through this tragic war uh, over the course of the summer in order to save untold tens of thousands of lives this holiday season. We know that many of the tunnels were dug in order to create a massacre in Israel on Rosh Hashanah, on the Jewish New Year this year, and and through the ingenuity and bravery of the Israeli Defense Forces, the IDF, um, and strong leadership of, of the Israeli leaders, they were able to uncover these tunnels before such a tragedy could occur. Now, granted, many soldiers um, were killed, uh, going about that in the most humane and and careful process as possible. Um, I think it behooves us to, to acknowledge that we did not wake up to the news immediately after Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, um, shaken to the core uh, with uh, unspeakable tragedies that were being plotted and planned uh, against the, the Jewish homeland in Israel. Um, but the technologies and techniques and awareness that Israel gathered through that process actually alerted a, a pretty strong ally, South Korea, that North Korea was involved in something fairly similar in terms of uh, digging tunnels uh, all the way under the border, um, again, for nefarious purposes. They weren't looking for horizontal oil. There was no fracking under the border that North Korea was trying to access, uh, just like there was no oil under the border in between Gaza and Israel that the that Hamas was trying to access. And again, you see Israel being the center of innovation. Um, and here it's just in, in, in the rapidly, who would have thought, literally uh, nine months ago, and maybe, maybe the people who are supposed to be thinking about these things have thought about these things, but who would have thought that, that countries with borders separating them, not for the purpose of smuggling immigrants or drugs or whatever illicit materials through little tiny tunnels would be, but building major tunnels um, in order to, to cause untold damage to a neighboring enemy country, 
and what the innocent countries on the other end of that tunnel need to do in order to protect themselves. Again, you see Israel serving as the incubator. Now, while the, where, while the technology to detect and destroy those tunnels, to the best of my knowledge, hasn't been developed, or if it's been developed, it hasn't been promoted widely, uh, and there's probably good reason for that. It probably won't be promoted widely, at least in the near future. Um, again, what we've always spoken about is Israel being an incubator under pressure, needing to uh, diagnose and to solve challenges as soon as they appear, is once again uh, being exported to other countries around the world facing similar challenges and problems. And uh, I think our hope for this upcoming new year is that uh, Israel will continue to innovate, to inspire, to create, um, and to serve as a, a beacon of light to the nations, uh, but that she'd be able to do so uh, with their historical situations of challenges and not be challenged anymore this year uh, in, in any of these um, incredibly, incredibly... Challenging, for lack of a better term, uh, word, and uh, and the ingenuity and the creativity of the Israelis should be able to shine shine through uh, in all the ways that they have. Just one other point uh, that I think is valuable um, is that Israel, uh, not first amongst the nations, but amongst the first of the nations, uh, has been active in trying to figure out how to combat uh, the spread of Ebola, which is which is a tremendous tragedy and it's growing; it's not shrinking. And once again, I think we look to world leadership to say, isn't somebody going to come up with a cohesive plan here in order to be able to demonstrate how uh, the world is going to deal with this epidemic? Um, but once again, a tiny country, much maligned in the UN and, uh, and disparaged uh, amongst uh, quote-unquote free thinkers in many different places, uh, is first amongst nations or amongst the first of nations to be volunteering their help, their assistance, and their medical expertise uh, in order to solve something on behalf of humanity. And once again, that's not widely known enough. It's something that we, each of our listeners out there, have the ability to tell our friends, tell our coworkers, uh, and make sure at least our family members know that when we read about these unspeakable challenges on the front page of the paper, uh, we know that Israel is there front and center, not waiting for it to come to them, but out there uh, on behalf of the world, on behalf of freedom, really uh, taking very proactive uh, stands. And I think that's important for us to know, to acknowledge, and to appreciate. So I think that's that's a final thing. So just to sum up this week's show, um, I'll call this the philosophical tech talk, for lack of a better term. Um, we had an opportunity to speak about a couple of issues that I think will be prevalent at your Yantif and Shabbos tables in the next couple of weeks, and maybe were over the last past couple of weeks. We spoke about Steve Jobs and his penchant for not wanting to raise his children addicted to technology, and who would know that better than him? I'm not going to go quite as far as Donnie as saying that a drug dealer never uses his own drugs. Um, but uh, again, Jobs knowing the, the power, the immersive power of technology and understanding that he did not want his kids uh, immersed. The value that we have as a observant people, at least disconnecting 25 hours a day, hopefully at night as well, um, and being able to now appreciate that over a couple of 72-hour periods, which I think should be uh, even more impactful. Uh, and then finally, uh, being able to speak about the infusion that we have of technology and politics. We'll be able to speak to some people one-on-one -on -one, uh, post the holidays, post the Chagim. Um, and then finally, Israel again being at the, at the forefront, be it the tunnels from North Korea into South Korea, or Israel again uh, being dynamic and innovative in terms of finding new and creative ways and at least pitching in 
above and beyond their share in terms of uh, um, trying to address the, the Ebola challenge uh, from around the world. So we can go into these uh, holiday season, into the Yontif season with these topics of conversation. I think the important thing is to have a conversation. Don't just forward emails. Don't just read articles. But sit across the table from your spouse, from your kids, from your parents, from your siblings, and talk about it. And I think maybe it'll leave us with tremendous pride. And if, if we walk away understanding that maybe, hey, we all spend a little bit too much time texting and not quite enough time talking, uh, maybe it'll be a very successful new year for all of us as well. So uh, until next time, just as a reminder, you listen to Tech Talk this week on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arye Lightstone. You can listen to us on NachumSiegel.com. And we are proud to be sponsored, as always, by our good friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store, please check them out online at Adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Have a wonderful week. Thank you.